Hey friends, when I began the Ditching Perfection podcast, it was my goal to cultivate a community of people who are pursuing wholeness in Jesus together. That's been my goal all along because it is too stinking hard to ditch perfectionism on our own, right? (laughs) And so walking with you, oh my goodness, you guys, has been such a gift. And many of you have asked how you can support this ministry. And now there's a way that you can do that through contributing a small donation to the podcast each month. Even for $4.99 a month, the cost of going to Starbucks for a latte would be just so helpful as Mike and I work to create future episodes. If you'd like to become a monthly supporter, you can click the link in the show notes or go to carlycommunicates.com slash podcast to learn more. One, two, foot, five. Welcome to the Ditching Perfection Podcast, a podcast that will help you pursue wholeness in Jesus rather than trying to have it all together. I'm your host, Carly Bartlett, and along the way, we're going to have some raw conversations and share some practical tips that will remind you to throw some confetti and celebrate yourself. Your inner critic does not have to be the dominant voice in your life anymore. Well, hey, friends, welcome to the Ditching Perfection Podcast. Can you even believe that it is halfway through December already and that Christmas is two weeks, less than two weeks away? Oh my goodness, it's gone so fast. The first part of this month at our house was dominated with a head cold with all of us blowing our noses and coughing up a storm, but I think we're finally past that. But goodness, like everybody I know has had some sort of of gunk, and so I hope that you and your family are, are feeling better. But in the midst of um, the sickness, we have also just had so much fun in the last week or so um, with lots of Christmas things. Our kids had a Christmas concert at at church and our two-year-old Junie, it was her first Christmas event. It was her first Christmas program. And so, oh my words, watching her march up onto the little risers in her dress and she just waved at us almost nonstop. My mom heart was like completely melted into a puddle by the end. It was so great. And Lulu sang too and just did a phenomenal job. And then last night, our friends from church, we did an 80s skate night at the roller skating rink. That was like a flashback to elementary school. (laughs) Mike and I were talking about how in elementary school, uh, like once a month, our schools would have like skate nights. And so that was super fun to go. We dressed up in our 80s garb and uh, had a blast. And Lulu went rollerblading for the first time and she got it. She, She was scooting around that little rink and it was a lot of fun. And then today I had a white elephant gift exchange with my church staff. And then tonight in like an hour, we're headed to another white elephant gift exchange with our small group. So lots of lots of fun things. My brother and his wife are um, my sister-in-law. They're coming to town this upcoming weekend for the holidays. This is just a fun, fun time of year. And I just love all the fun, the connections, the peanut butter chocolate treats. I mean, hello. Can it get any better than I think what people call Buckeyes? Do you call them Buckeyes? Anyway, the peanut butter chocolate balls. They are so good. Um, I love the twinkly light singing jingle bells all of the wonderful things. But as much as the season is just full of light and love and joy, it's also a hard season for many, where maybe it's a season for you of grief where you're missing those that you've lost, 
or maybe it's a season where there's relational tension and, you know, sitting around the holiday table, maybe that relational tension is even more obvious and heavy than other times of the year. Or maybe for you, this season brings about feelings of disappointment or discouragement where you're thinking, I am not where I thought I'd be at this point. This really can be a tough season. And really, these feelings that arise in this season, they're actually reflections of life as a whole, where we often sit in the tension of both mistletoe and money concerns, of beautiful wreaths and relational disappointments, of Christmas carols and conflict. And that's what we're talking about all month on the podcast, the this and that of life. And I'll tell you what, the last couple of years have been marked by such division and polarization. I mean, I actually probably don't even need to tell you that. It's been obvious to you, I'm sure. And truly, like everybody that I know has had some sort of relational tension because of politics or current events and differing worldviews. And so today on the podcast, we're going to dive into all of this with my wise and thoughtful friend, Reverend Christine Yoon Hung. And she's here to talk to us about the this and that of necessary healthy tension and peacemaking. And as we dive into Isaiah chapter 11, she and I are going to discuss the difference between peacekeeping and peacemaking, what it means, as the scripture says, for the wolf to live with the lamb, and how Isaiah's vision in chapter 11 can change the way that we view Christmas this year. Woo, my throat is still a little froggy from my sickness. Sorry about that. Anyway, before we dive in, I want to introduce you to my wonderful friend, Christine. Christine and I met several years ago as we were both students at Nazarene Theological Seminary. And she and I happened to be taking the same week-long course in San Diego and both stayed at the alumni house on campus. And since we were both flying solo that week, we spent our evenings together eating soup at Panera, talking about Jesus, chatting about what it's like to be a mom in ministry. We really became fast friends, and she quickly became someone that I looked up to immensely, and I still do. And we have continued to journey together through our MDiv program. Uh, you'll actually hear us chat about a few of our beloved professors in the episode. And we both graduated this last spring and got to celebrate together in Kansas City. So that was so much fun. But Christine is an amazing leader, a theologian, a preacher, a writer, and a cancer survivor. She currently serves as the Director of Pastoral Development for the Northern California District for the Church of the Nazarene. Her husband, Albert, is the district superintendent, and together, Albert and Christine lead a dynamic team of pastors and ministry leaders from 90 different congregations, worshiping in 18 different languages. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with the Church of the Nazarene structure, there are 78 districts in the United States and Canada, and each of them are led by a district superintendent, or a DS, as we will chat about in the episode. We'll use that. We'll use that little um, abbreviation. But anyway, prior to joining the Northern California District staff, Christine served as pastor of Trinity Church Roland Heights Campus, a multi-site, multi-ethnic church serving in the Los Angeles area. Christine also served as a missionary teacher in Taipei, Taiwan for three years. 
and she's currently pursuing her Doctor of Ministry at Nazarene Theological Seminary in Ecclesial Mission and Leadership. And yes, you were hearing that right. She just finished her MDiv and jumped right into her doctoral studies. She is a rock star. (laughs) Christine is the founder of Now Movement, a grassroots initiative coordinating efforts of Nazarenes in the United States and Canada who are emboldened by the spirit to pursue racial justice. And she'll chat about that in the episode as well. She's a frequent guest speaker for conferences and workshops on college campuses, retreats, and pastor training days. And she takes deep joy in her husband, Albert, and their four amazing kids. Well, with all of this said, let's dive into this conversation with my friend, Christine Hung. Well, hey, Christine, welcome to the Ditching Perfection podcast. Hello, hello. So glad that you are here with us as we are in our Advent series. And I'm so curious, before we dive into everything, what is a fun tradition that you and your family do during Advent? Well, I don't know about fun, but meaningful. Like we do have our Advent candles at home and we take turns lighting them and reading them. Um, So often as a, and I'll describe this later on as a district superintendent family, we're at different churches and sometimes they don't have the same rituals. And so just for a little bit of consistency, we'll have that at home. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. We've been doing that at our house and we've never done it before. And this is our first time doing it. And, you know, my kids are two and seven. And so the first time we did it, Advent week one, we lit the first candle and my youngest, my two-year-old is like, let's light them all. We have to light them all. And it was such a great reminder of the waiting, you know, that we get to each week see more of the light come. And uh, even that little teaching moment was really, really fun. So I'm excited that we have started that tradition this year. Oh, awesome. Yes. My biggest advice on that is try to get candles that don't knock over very easily because oh. ours knock over all the time. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. You don't want that. <laughs> Wax all over the tablecloth and the whole thing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So funny. Well, I'm glad you're here. And for everyone listening that doesn't yet know you, will you just take a minute and tell us who you are and what you're up to these days? Okay. Well, I'm on the Northern California District for the Church of the Nazarene. Um, My husband, Albert, he is the district superintendent. And so my official role is the director of pastoral development. And um, that basically means I help to resource um, pastors, minister to them, uh, things of that nature. I head up the board of ministry. Um, I emphasize women clergy work and um, help with the benevolence funds that's that's on our district. a lot of other things, just a lot of hats that I wear. Yeah. It's hard to remember everything that I do, but that is what I do on a official cap capacity. Yes. And tell us about your fam. Four kiddos. Yes. Um, my oldest one is in college, which is crazy to me. Oh, yeah. I forgot that. Freshman year, sophomore year. He's in sophomore year now. Oh my gosh. Crazy. Yeah, it's it's insane. The ways that he is adulting is just blowing my mind. Wow. Uh, I have a senior who is now moving into college next year. So I'll have two in college next year. And then a freshman and a little now just turned nine-year-old boy that keeps us on our toes. Yes. 
Oh, so fun. And you and I met, oh my gosh, I think your littlest was like four or five. Mm, I don't know. Pretty little. Yeah. It was a long time ago now. Yeah. Was he yeah. even born? I don't even remember. It was ages. It was first. a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. But we met when we were both in school in Nazarene Theological Seminary, but we got to do a class in Point Loma at Point Loma in San Diego. Yeah. And we bonded over Panera and TJ Maxx. There you go. <laughs> yes. And theology. And that. theology. We have to throw that in there too. <laughs> That's so true. Yes. But just so grateful for you and the ways that you have poured into me and invested in me, but then the ways that you have led me, even in moments that you didn't know, just through the ways that you've navigated this cultural moment that we're in and and the ways that you so thoughtfully share on social media. I'm just so, so grateful for you. So thanks for being here with us. Oh, thanks, Carly. Thanks a lot. Yes. Yes. Think the world of you. But for everyone listening to, we, we uh, you know, need to get to know you a little bit more through some quirky this or that. Okay. Does that sound okay? Yeah. Okay. So here we go. Christine, if you are driving by yourself, do you listen to music or podcasts? Um, if it's a long drive, it will be a podcast. Okay. Um, and sometimes just comedic little snippets that I find just to keep me awake. If yes. it is a short drive, definitely music. Okay. Good, good. Okay. What about waffles or pancakes? Well, Definitely pancakes if you've got blueberries or, you know, things like bananas in them. Um, but these days, because of some gastrointestinal issues, yeah. I'm happy to say goodbye to both. And so, oh, you know, yeah, it's just hitting me in a in a hard spot right here. Kylie's breaking my heart talking oh. about waffles and pancakes. Oh. Especially <laughs> Christmas time, all the goodies and things. Yes, absolutely. Oh. Dang it. That is not fun. Oh, I hope you find some recipes that are somewhat of a treat for you. Oh, thanks. Yes. Okay. Would you rather be embarrassed or be afraid? I would say embarrassed because I don't embarrass easily. Okay. Yeah. 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 I would agree. I do not like to be afraid. I'd much rather be embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, when you read, do you like a paper book or a ebook, like Kindle? Definitely Kindle. You can wow. highlight, make notes. Okay. I'm a paper book person. I, I just know. love having that there's thing in my hand. Yeah. There's something so nostalgic about that and so yes. pure. I wish I was a paper book kind of person, but no. No. The Kindle. the digital age. Yes. Know. Yes. I'm still in the prehistoric ages, I guess. <laughs> There's something beautiful about that. Yes. Okay. And the last one, would you rather do the laundry or do the dishes? Laundry. Laundry. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. I can watch something like Korean dramas or something while I'm folding. Okay. Korean <laughs> dramas. That's awesome. Tell us more. Oh gosh, no! I I've I've tried to stop watching them because when you start one, you got to finish the whole series, and some of them are like eighteen episodes long. Okay, so I try not to, but when I I will indulge when I'm folding. Yes. Okay, that's amazing. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right, well, thank you for playing that. I think it's fun to you know talk about some of those simple choices in life, and yet life is not that simple most of the time, right? Like. Mm -hmm. 
most of the time we don't have these easy choices of this or that, but it feels like we're most of the time in these, this messy middle of life where we're dealing with both hardship and hope and grief and joy, right? We kind of have these both and in most seasons of life. And so this Advent season, I feel like a lot of times we focus so much on the season of joy and Mm. we see the sparkly lights and everything seems so lovely and glittery, but sometimes that doesn't necessarily feel like that's our reality. Mm -hmm. And so we're diving into these texts in Isaiah where we're talking about these messy middle things in scripture and how they connect to our lives and what we're supposed to do in times of waiting and in times of this and that. And so I'm just excited to dive in um, to Isaiah chapter 11 with you and really figure out what we can pull from the this and that that we see in scripture. But before we do, I just want to ask you, do Mm. you feel like that resonates with you? Do you feel like you experience a lot of the this and that? And are there any um, tensions that you're living in even right now this season? Oh, like so many, you know, I think that is such a healthy way of viewing the world because I think a lot of the times when we you know, our budding like heads and um, intention with one another is because we refuse to see that there can be a multiplicity of um, truths. That sounds a little, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm not meaning like, you know, universal truth as far as who God is, but I mean, yeah. you know, feelings or emotions or perspectives and realities and yeah. And things of that nature. And, and if we can at least acknowledge that there can be um, this and that, then we can come, we can both come at the table and have a conversation um, and acknowledge the, um, you know, that, that I can hold your reality at the same time as holding my own as well. Right. That is such good perspective because there's so much division and conflict right now much Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah Mm -hmm. and we're so quick I feel like as a culture to write people off that don't see from our perspective but if we can just pause and go okay wait hold on we can learn from each other we can listen to one another even if we don't hold the same perspectives Mm -hmm. that is really important right now and yet hard but so Mm -hmm. necessary Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah yeah and we see some of those kind of tensions in um, the the passage that we're going to read in Isaiah chapter 11. And this is the lectionary text for Advent week two. But like I mentioned to listeners this last week, since I had a froggy throat last week and couldn't we couldn't meet last week, we're bumping this to week three. But um, let's read it. Let's read it together. Would you mind to read Isaiah 11, 1 through 10 for us, Christine? I'm sure can't. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. 
He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together. And the little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the, beer, the bear. Their young will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his resting place will be glorious. Yes. Thank you. This is the word of the Lord. Yes. Be to God. Yes. Mm -hmm. So as you read this, what things stand out to you and what, um, yeah, what this and that do you see in this passage? Well, what stands out to me first is, you know, just knowing where, um, the people of God were in this context and who they were fearing, you know, what anxieties were of the future. Um, But here we bring in this, this, um, this shoot that Mm -hmm. comes from the stump of Jesse, the Messiah, you know, it's not spoken, but, Mm -hmm. and, and that's the, that he delights in the fear of the Lord. Mm -hmm. So we can absolutely, you know, to eliminate all fear, like that is not human. Yeah. We'll fear things. This word world is of, has uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And so this and that, yes, we will fear things of this world. Like I, I used to have dreams of our oldest kid when he, when he was an infant of him falling off on the Grand Canyon. And so when we went to vacation at the Grand Canyon, I literally had him in the hand all the time. Um, So there is fear, like fear will come, right? But the this and the that, but we also have the fear of the Lord. And what that really actually means, the sense of reverence, this, you know, this relationship with the Lord enough, this, this depth enough to know who the Lord is in all his awesome wonder mm-hmm. um so there is that this and that but just the um the spirit of the lord will rest on him wisdom and understanding counsel and might knowledge and fear delight in the and, and delighting in the fear of the lord um so i don't know like it makes me just think about the line of kings that these people have had for so long yeah and the strategies that they would um, take a hold of is the knowledge of the world. Um, but yet this Messiah comes in with something completely different. Right. And, and so that, that's something. And, and just to know that it just came from a shoot, like just this tiny little mm. bud off a branch, this delicate, tender shoot um, and, and developing into something that is so incredibly weighty and impactful in every part of our lives like it's that's you know there is a this and that in there Mm -hmm. right right 
And when we read like later on with the the wolf will live with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the goat. And we just see all these juxtapositions of these like kind of innocent little creatures, like the child will be with them as well. Like, and where's that spot? The infant will play near the hole of the cobra. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's like the, we've got these kind of innocent like children with these, with these creatures that seem to be um dangerous or or malicious and now they're together like we are I feel like when we read that we acknowledge that there has been tension and there's been this like opposition and now all of a sudden there's peace like how does that encourage us in here now when we don't necessarily see that kind of peace wow it's something that's encouraging to me. It's not something that's brand new. You know, there's a return to God's original design of what we were meant to be in the beginning. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of creation themes in here. Um, this coming up from the stump of Jesse. Yeah. That there would be roots of branch that will bear fruit. And it's the same idea of um, God calling us to be fruitful and multiply yeah, right and how that ultimately is embodied in the um the likeness of of you know the messiah coming into the world and and this idea of predators and prey living together in such um peace and shalom and and all of that like it's a taste of genesis one of what was supposed to be and so mm. something that is so incredibly hopeful is that um, it is not a stretch because we were there. Like that's, that was God's original design. Yeah. Um, and it's a coming back to that. Mm -hmm. Right. So what does that look like for us practically? Like in the year 2022, as we finish this, this year in our current context, like what does that look like for us to live into that hope of returning back to are the way that God intended us to be like, what do, what do we do right now? You know, it's just, it's living in that liminal space of the already and not yet. And, mm -hmm. you know, thinking about, well, what is so powerful in that liminal space? Instead of overreaching to the already and just pining and aching for that and yes there is that ache that ache to be there in the in the already to see what the blessings are in that liminal space right mm -hmm. when we are waiting you know the things like knowing the grace of god you know in that not yet even when we are in that form of not yet mm -hmm. being able to taste the goodness of god through his grace and then this sense of being able to build things together mm -hmm. as we are moving toward that already, right? Mm -hmm. In the not yet, there's a sense of drawing yes to God, but also drawing to each other saying, what is the collaborative work that we can do together as we are pursuing that mm -hmm. and the growth that happens? Yeah. You know? And knowing that in the not yet, so much of the not yet will be fading away and what what remains 
right? Love remains. Mm-hmm. And all the things that we are lamenting or groaning over or um, just the pain of the not yet, just to be able to have that trust in the Lord that mm-hmm. that will fade away. Yeah. You know, so the blessings of the liminal space and the promise of the already, you know, that I, I find that those two are encouraging. Yes. Well, encouraging things to hang on to for sure. Right. Friends, I'm interrupting the conversation real quick to let you know something really exciting. My Bible study, The Gift of the Unexpected, is now available on my website. I am so excited about this, excited for you to get your hands on this resource. This is an eight-week Bible study on the life of Elijah and how God transforms us when things don't go as planned. I mean, isn't that the way of life goes? Oh, there's always something unexpected or unpredictable. And for people like me that like control, this can be really hard, and I oftentimes want to resist change. But what I have learned in my story that I'm sharing in the series is that when I've been open to it, God has taught me so much in times where things haven't gone necessarily the way that I've wanted them to go. Now, I don't necessarily think that God causes the pain and hardship in our lives, but I do believe that God can bring something good. And this series reminds us of that and God's faithfulness over and over again. And I think that this will be an incredible gift to you and to your small groups or Bible study groups. And you can do that in either format. You can go through this and watch the eight weeks of of video content on your own and then journey through the workbook, the daily devotions on your own, or you can go through this with a small group. But I do believe that God wants to teach us amazing things and transform us in in times where everything feels like it's out of control. And life can feel like a roller coaster sometimes, but God is with us in the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And I believe that this series reminds us that even in the unexpected, God invites us to rootedness, rhythms of rest, and holy curiosity. I can't wait to share this with you and journey with you through the gift of the unexpected. You can access this on my website, carlycommunicates.com slash resources. Now back to our conversation with Christine. And you mentioned the opportunity to collaborate and link arms and build community. And you and your family have been a part of amazing linking of arms and bringing together people from a wide variety of backgrounds. And so I'd love for you to share some of the glimpses of how you've seen God really working as as you have linked arms with people um, that have been in, involved in your story. Mm-hmm. Well, that is a huge part of my last couple of years. Um, ever since the murder of George Floyd, um, there has been a group of people, nine of us right now, that um, are collaborating in this space called Now Movement. And yeah. um, and we call ourselves Nazarenes on the Way, which is really cheesy. Um, but <laughs> there you have it. Acronyms are so, you know, big for, for the church, the Nazarene. Um, but it's a grassroots movement pursuing racial reconciliation and justice. Um, 
And so we have white folks in our team, we have Asians on our team, black folks on our team, um, Hispanic folks on our team. And, you know, even within our space, we realized the work it took to be um, moving towards this authentic mutuality um, that comes with really knowing and seeing each other. Mm -hmm. And and naming the fact that there were moments, um, many moments actually, where we were a microcosm of the very thing that we were fighting against, uh, where we were not seeing each other and uh, we held on to certain values um, that was not necessarily the same as someone else's values and not being able to hold that tension with the this and that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> But the hopefulness comes with the fact that we stayed together, like we yeah. devoted ourselves to one another. Um, and it is such a space of just this uh, beauty and um, it's just so life-giving and it's just um, a place where the Lord has used to bring healing for each of us. Yeah. Um, but what has been really exciting um, right now, uh, what we are working on, um, we've offered a five session series on, um, racial reconciliation. It's actually how to lead in multi-ethnic spaces mm -hmm. uh, for district superintendents and, um, and to have 15 of those DSs plus another handful of other district leadership, um, say, yes, I want to be a part of this learning space and for them to come in and feeling that discomfort of the of having the conversation um, and listening to just some of the stories that we um, that we that comes with us mm -hmm. um, as we are leading that space, you know, and their generosity in um, devoting themselves, continuing to come week after week, uh, and and uh, trusting that the spirit is there. Um, it's been a really transformative space and it has given, it's given our team a lot of hopefulness um, mm -hmm. and to name some really hard things uh, and, and to be doing it side by side, mm. you know, not to have it like, let us come in here and teach you a thing or two. Um, but rather it is, you know, we have this hopeful um, image of you know the lion lying beside the lamb mm -hmm. um, and we all want that we all want that we all want this um, kingdom culture of shalom where all are thriving we just don't know how to get there right um, but to say to acknowledge that and to say okay let's do it together it's not a perfect space you know mm -hmm. definitely not um, but yeah it's this this and that it is a very beautiful and hopeful space mm -hmm. where um, the Lord is bringing things to the surface um, in gentle, I hope, mm -hmm. gentle um, yet impactful ways. Yeah, I love that. I love following along with what you all are doing and learning from you. And for people listening that are going, okay, I've seen all of this on the news the last several years and I don't know what to do like in my little town in Iowa or wherever they may be, like what is a good 
next step for people that are going, I feel like I have something to learn, but I don't know what to do. What would you suggest? Well, what was really interesting, we had um, Dr. Andy Johnson come into, yes. we invited him to our space. Love that guy. Mm, he's so great. And he, you know, through a white perspective, um, gave the history of racism in our nation um, and also the church's complicity in that. Mm. And, and he brought it without emotion. It was just these factual, historical um, narratives that he just brought to the forefront. And after Andy gave his presentation, um, there were people that were chatting on the chat saying, how come I never knew this? Mm. Why did I not know? How come this is not common knowledge? Like many of the, the white folks on the call did not know the trauma and cruelties that have ha that had happened to the people, like to black folks um, in, in our history mm -hmm. and the complicity of the church. Mm -hmm. And so what are some next steps? It's to educate yourself. Yeah. There are so many podcasts. There's um, things that you can find on YouTube, book after book after book that is coming out um, and read some of that. Color of Compromise, a great yeah. place to start. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. and, and it's so to do a lot of uh, educating of yourself. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes um, there have been people that have gone to people of color. Please educate me. Tell me what I don't know. Uh, not knowing that sometimes having to go through all of that could almost be re-traumatizing, you know, mm. just bringing these things up and yeah. having people question the reality or validity of those narratives. And, mm -hmm. and so, you know, a lot of um, what, how could, how could that be remedied is for um, people, it's at people's fingertips, mm -hmm. you know, to go find it, yeah. read it, understand it, and then have conversations and just right. Right. Yeah. And I think part of the this and that as, um, you know, I've been trying to learn and I feel like I still have so much to learn, but we actually went through the color of compromise at our church with um, Ryan Gage. He is our worship pastor awesome. and led us through that. Um, and part of the this and that is that it's it's very challenging. Right. And we have to sit in that. And, and it's easy for us in I think our culture, but probably forever and ever humans, we don't like discomfort. We don't, we want to hear the good stuff. We want to hear the, the nice things. Like we want Hallmark movies, right? But in order for there to be healing, we actually have to address the, the stuff that is unhealthy, right? And so, you know, I think it's the, this and that of going, we have to sit in the understanding, the, the hardship, the, the brokenness, so that then we can be a part of the restoration, right? Um, and I think that this scripture like teaches us that. Absolutely. Yeah. I was just about to say that, like back into this passage, we have this beautiful scene of Shalom, you know, with, you know, animals, humanity side by side and in, in, in peace. But right before that, there's judgment, there's mm -hmm. justice, right? There's striking the earth with the rod of his mouth, the slaying of the wicked, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> all of these things. And, um, you know, it just reminds me in the Beatitudes, it says, blessed are the peacemakers 
-hmm. And it's not necessarily peacekeepers, right? Where you just kind of keep the peace, you know, Mm -hmm. this kind of um, don't disturb, you know, like don't rock the boats or anything. It's like peacemaking that's in that's an action Ooh, I love um, that. and and sometimes when we are in the work of peacemaking there's this turbulence that does not necessarily feel peaceful um, but there's this turbulence and uprooting and uncovering and breaking apart and um uh, you know exposing and all of this work that does not feel like so peaceful it does not feel like that there's there's a lot of like tension and rubbing against um but a lot of times that needs to happen Mm -hmm. in order for that that's that place that that space of shalom happens Mm, yeah so peacemaking through tension and healthy conflict, even mm-hmm. um, there's your this and that right there. Right. Yeah. That is so good. I haven't really thought about that difference between keeping the peace and being a maker of peace. Those mm-hmm. things are really different. They're so different. I've never thought about that. Oh, thank you for sharing that. I will never, I'll never forget it. I love it because I think the peacemaker or the peacekeeping is like kind of, like you said, backing up, crossing your arms, not wanting to rock the boat, kind of being a doormat. And that doesn't do us any good. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. But the peacemaking, I love that you said it's an action. Yes. That's so good. It's not, um, you know, a space where there isn't conflict. That's not, Mm -hmm. that's not what peace is. It's so much more than that. Right. And it takes intentionality to get there. Mm Mm-hmm. And you mentioned in like verse three about the judgment, um, you know, and how God is going to, in verse four, like strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. How, because sometimes I feel like, you know, we can see God as this angry God and uh, this judgmental God. And sometimes, you know, maybe that's through our own experience or, or how, people have been taught, you know, that they may see God that way, but how do we hold the, the, this and that of like the judgment and the wrath of God, but also with the God that we know is so loving. And as Dr. Hardy says, like a capital C compassionate God, how do we hold the both this and that? That's such an important question. Yes. I think think the answer is in verse six. Mm, Tell us more. The wolf will live with the lamb it doesn't do away with the wolf the predators are still there Mm. right it is not a smiting of the wolf yeah or hunting down and chopping their head off or whatever right whatever violent imagery the wolf is there the leopard is there the lion is there you know and so this judgment and smiting of wickedness the slaying of wickedness, it is not destroying people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not what this looks like. Yeah. Um, and I would even say the wicked, like, I mean, when I see this passage and there might be some Bible scholars that would disagree with me on this, I don't see wicked people. I see the wickedness, the brokenness of the world 
the wickedness that might still be in me, you know, that this with the breath of his lips and gosh, like the breath of his lips, we're not talking about, um, we're not, we're not talking about, uh, you know, like a sword that is there destroying, like even when revelations, when we see Jesus, the sword is in his mouth. Yeah. It's not in his hand ready to smite people. It is in his mouth. So, you know, I think of like the words, you know, coming from his mouth, the very yeah. breath of his mouth, you know, seeing really, I think might be like even symbolizing just his presence, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. This is what is going to do away with the wickedness and, you know, the oppressor, um, you know, what is, what is making things um, unjust and, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, and so that, you know, there, maybe people will disagree with me on that, but here we go. The wolf is there. Yeah. You know, the leopard is there. Right. That's so, so true. That's, yeah. So that's, that's the way that, that I would interpret that yeah and as you were saying about his breath I was just thinking about you know the breath of God is like the life of God like the yeah. you know the light and the life source for us as he like yeah. breathed life into Adam in Genesis and so it's like the breath of God like brings yeah. the life back the yeah. abundant life the shalom back to the wolf and to the lion and to the cobra and so I love that you said they're still there but they have this different life that has been breathed into them oh, um, God. through yeah. God and his judgment, but then his compassion that comes mm -hmm. with it. Mm -hmm. And you oh. cannot, you cannot read verse four by itself. If you yeah. read five, and I'd love to read this in the message translation oh, because yeah. it's so good. In the message translation, it says each morning he'll put on sturdy work clothes and boots and build righteousness and faithfulness in the land. Oh, you know, that yes. is so good. There's yes. this sense of getting his hands, his own hands dirty, like doing the work. Um, there's this, you know, the burden is light because he's doing all the heavy lifting, right? Yeah. And this righteousness is not just this um, purity, like, you know, this, um, moral, you know, standard, you know, righteousness being in right relationship with, yeah. you know, between God and humanity and with, you know, people, um, with other people, like this is the righteousness that we're talking about and, and this faithfulness, you know, like in this smiting of the wicked, you know, there's this steadfastness and as, Dr. Hardy would say, capital C, compassion, mm -hmm. you know, that it's just, you know, intrinsic in the character um, of, of the Lord. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I just love scripture and I love talking about it with oh, friends because like just getting to talk like this, what you're saying is like making this come alive to me in different ways and what God is mm -hmm. speaking to you. It's just so fun. This is like my favorite thing to do. And I'm just so grateful. I get to hear from you today about this. Oh. I love it. I love it. Yes. I've said to people, um, listeners on the podcast, I'm like, just imagine yourself, like grab your peppermint mocha and come to the table with us. And we're just opening scripture and just chatting about it. And this is exactly what we're doing. It's so fun. Is there anything else, Christine, in this passage that you just like love and want to unpack with us today? Something that I do want to note, you know, 
when it comes to predator and prey, um, and we might even say the oppressor and the oppressed, mm -hmm. you know, when the justice of the Lord comes in this space of shalom, there is this such a breaking down of power dynamics, yeah. you know, like the wolf will live, will dwell with the lamb, um, this, this living together in the new living translation, it says it actually uses the word together, NASB uses the word dwell, and in the original um, Hebrew, um, it is unitedness, mm. right? It's a sense of, of just breaking down the power dynamics, but also the fear of the other. Yeah. And, you know, when we have such a shallow semblance of peace, when people say, why do you have to keep bringing this up? Like, why do you have to keep creating tension? Like, why do you have to make people feel so guilty? You know, it's because we don't have that. We yeah. don't have this dwelling, this, you know, together, this unitedness, this breaking down of power dynamics, this fear of the other. We're not there. Just because there is silence does not mean that we are there. And so there is something, you know, about that, that, you know, that I love, not just, oh, there was a wolf standing beside a lamb, you know, it wasn't that it's this sense of dwelling together yeah. um, and how, what do we need to get there? What mm -hmm. as leaders, as the people of God, what we need is the spirit of the Lord to rest on us. Mm -hmm. What we need is the wisdom and understanding of the spirit, of the spirit's counsel and might, mm -hmm. right? We need yeah. the spirit's might. And of course, knowledge and fear of the Lord and delight in the fear of the Lord, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. This is what we need to be in order to um, embody this work of righteousness and faithfulness um each morning that we would put on our sturdy work clothes and boots yeah. that we would build righteousness and faithfulness in the land that yeah. we would be doing this um so that we're closer and closer to the already you yeah. know as described here in in this passage mm -hmm. yeah so when we think then about as we're celebrating Christmas this year and we're reminded of Jesus being born in the stable and Mary and Joseph when we're viewing our nativity scenes, how should this passage change the way we view Christmas this year? Hmm. Gosh, it is how powerful and awe-filled it is that this powerful God came in as this this infant you know that the almighty God was born through his own creation mm -hmm. you know? and and that that is the that was and continues to be the ultimate disruption of injustice, inequity, all of these things, the strife between predator and prey and 
these, you know, structures of power dynamics that are toxic, you know, that his birth is disrupts all of that, disrupts mm-hmm. all of that status quo. Mm-hmm. And, and it comes in forms in form of a of an infant. Yeah. A baby. And how does that, as we look at the nativity scene, how do we look around in the not yet mm-hmm. and commit to the gentleness and tenderness and the vulnerability of a baby to help disrupt the status quo of the not yet? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So good. Yes. Mm. Man, I feel like we have been to church today. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Praise oh, Christine, thank you so much for unpacking that with us. I'm so, so grateful. And I feel like, yeah, can't wait to already listen back to this again and just write some notes about what you shared because this was really, really impactful. So thank you. Oh, thank you, Carly. It's been such a delight to do it with you. Oh, well, it's thank really you. So and before we go, we have our last two, last two um, segments that we always do. Okay. So the first one is how can you celebrate you in this season? Because so often, you know, especially being that this is the Ditching Perfection podcast, perfectionism just always tells us the things that we are not doing well. Hmm. So we are fighting back against that narrative to say we have things to celebrate even when we're works in progress. <laughs> so how can you celebrate you in this season, Christine? Okay, this is a big one for me. Yes, can't wait. Okay, let's hear it. I'm an Enneagram three. Yes, yes. And, you know, it's been now a few months, if not more, like months and months and months where the Lord has been teaching me, Christine, this is a space, this is a season where you need to say no. Mm -hmm. And that is not easy, right? Saying no, there has been some amazing opportunities. And even as I think about it and think about some of these opportunities now, I'm getting a little, you know, FOMO and, and, you know, whatnot. Yeah. But being able to say no to those things and the Lord telling me, Christine, you saying no is not negative space. It is actually positive space because you're clearing the way to receive everything the Lord wants for me in this season. Yeah. And so I am, you know, and the people that know me, um, I'm thinking of uh, one of our team district team um, teammates here, Christy, shout out to you um, of her even noticing and being really proud of me Mm. and say, Christine, like, it is so good that you are able to say no to these sorts of things to be able to hold on to the, not just good things, but the best things that the Lord has for me in this season. Yeah, that is good. And that's super, super hard. So I'm sure, yeah, everyone listening, most people could probably resonate and go, oh my gosh, I need to learn to say no too. So, so good. And I know I need to learn to say no as well. That's a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. So we celebrate that with you. That is, that's so good. (laughs) And then our last one is our face palm moment, our embarrassing mishaps that happen to all of us that just remind us it's okay to be 
you know, kind of a hot mess sometimes. So do you have a story like that? Oh gosh, this is such a ridiculous story. Like, I don't know. I don't have a lot of embarrassing stories, like things that have embarrassed me, but this is just a weird mishap that I found myself into. So I just recently went to Lead Bold, um, which is a conference for women in leadership. Um, it's like non-denominational ecumenical sharing of space together. And um, and they had uh, an event here. And so I gathered up all our women clergy and women aspiring to be clergy or questioning their call or whatnot. And I said, okay, let's all go together. So we do this thing every year. And so, um, so I'm in that space and, you know, I think it was during the sermon. It was, it was during a sermon. I'm sitting there and I'm with these women, some of these women, like I love all of them, but I'm not necessarily close to them because they're all in their, you know, leading in their own spaces. And yeah. whatnot. so I'm sitting there and then somebody passes me a Mentos. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yeah, I'll take a Mentos. And I'm like sucking it in my mouth and I'm sitting there and it's like in a dark room, right? Because there's, uh-huh. there's somebody's given the word in the front. And then I swallow the Mentos. And I kid you not, Carly, it got stuck in this little pocket in my throat, oh, right? No. And I'm like, and me, <laughs> actually, you asked me earlier, embarrassed or fear or being afraid. I guess in this situation, I picked. I would prefer the fear because I didn't say anything. I sat there. I didn't, I, I can't talk obviously. So I can't even whisper to the person beside me. Oh, so no. I'm sitting there and I can breathe because there's like a little bit of space around the mental. Oh, no. Okay. So what do I do? Do I get up and walk? out to the bathroom and figure this out so I don't cause a disruption like the person sitting right next to me had no idea so I'm sitting there do I swallow it and risk like choking and then dying right here I didn't know what to do like do I just go like like cough it back out and like make and so I sat there just quietly breathing (laughs) And so that I wouldn't make such a big disruption trying to figure out what to do. And so I tried swallowing and it just wouldn't go over that. I don't know. I'm imagining there's a little pocket there or something <laughs> to get through there. And then finally it went over and I felt this big rock to slowly come down my Oh my word. Trachea. And um, and it, nobody knew. <laughs> like I was wow. like, I should have been going to the next person like saying, I'm joking, I'm joking, but I didn't want to embarrass myself. (laughs) You held it together so well. I would have been like coughing and spewing and freaking out. I was freaking out, Carly. I really was. But I guess, you know, embarrassment over fear. Oh my goodness. (laughs) That is so wild. Well, I'm glad that it all worked out okay. And I can't believe, did you tell people afterwards? I did. That's a thing. I didn't. I was like, you know, but I told my husband, I'm like, I am choking on a Mentos right now. Like, <laughs> you texted him that during. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, oh my gosh. Well, so you are the funny. second person on the podcast to share a choking story. So really? yes, yes. Episode two, my friend had a had a choking story as his most embarrassing moment oh. as well. So funny. 
Oh my word. That is a crazy one. So next time I have a Mentos, I'll think of you and make sure to chew it really, really well. Really well, really well. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, Christine, thank you so much for being here. And if people that are listening are interested to connect with you or learn more about the now movement, how can they do that? Well, we're on um, Facebook. Okay. Um, We are, because we're all volunteers, we're, um, we do one project at a time. And right now, because it's only with DSs, like the um, people that have usually been following with us, we've haven't offered anything for them for a long time. They might even think, are they still like doing anything? Um, but we are on Facebook. I think it's now movement on Facebook. Like if you okay. just look up now movement. Yeah. Um, and you know, with me, I, I do like a lot of speaking and, and writing, but don't really have my own blog or anything like our website or anything like that. And like I said, I'm saying no a lot of times, but if yeah. you, if anybody wants to contact me, Christine hung at norcal.org. Okay. Um, and no problem. I'll, I would love to chat with anybody that wants to talk about anything. So awesome. Okay. Yeah. That sounds great. Well, thanks so much, my friend. I appreciate you so much. And this conversation was just a gift. So thank you. Oh, thank you, Carly. Blessings to you. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Wasn't that such a fabulous conversation? Oh my goodness, what a gift it is to sift through scripture with friends and especially friends like Christine. She just helped me see Isaiah chapter 11 in such beautiful, redemptive, profound ways. And I trust that you experience the same thing. I would also encourage you to reach out to Christine if you have any thoughts or questions and also to connect with the Now Movement on Facebook. Well, today let's end with our 10 key takeaways and a prayer prompt as always. Here are our key takeaways from this conversation. Number one, it is important to acknowledge the this and that of different perspectives. We can come to the table and hold space for each other's thoughts and opinions. Number two, we will fear things of this world. It is human to fear. But as Christine reminded us, there's also the fear of the Lord, the awe and wonder of who God is, trustworthy and faithful. Number three, in the Isaiah text, the people of Judah had experienced many corrupt kings. And so this message that we read today from Isaiah 11 was a great gift of hope to the people who were looking for a different kind of king. Number four, the vision in Isaiah 11 is a taste of Genesis 1. God is restoring us back to God's original intention for us. Number five, as we are in times of waiting, we are invited to a collaborative work. We get to link arms in both lament and hope as we trust that God is at work in and through us. Number six, we all want this kingdom shalom where all are thriving Now, we may not know how to get there, but let's commit to doing it together. Number seven, in order to be a part of the restoration story, whether that's racial reconciliation, whether that's restoration in our families or healing in our own 
painful parts of our stories, we must address the brokenness. We must dig deep. We must educate ourselves. We must experience discomfort in order to be a part of rebuilding into wholeness. And just as a little side note, if you didn't hear this and that, our Advent series week one, I talk all about addressing brokenness and also the hope of restoration. So check out that episode if you haven't listened to it already. Number eight, there is a difference between peacemakers and peacekeepers. Peacemaking is an action. I loved when Christine shared with us, with us about that. Number nine, God's judgment does not destroy people. God's judgment restores and brings new life. Once again, I love that Christine reminded us that even after we read about God's judgment, the wolf is still there. The cobra is still there, but they have been restored and made new and brought into wholeness. God's judgment restores. I love that. And number 10, when we are living in God's design for shalom, there is a breaking down of power dynamics. There is no fear of the other. So with that, with that in mind, we keep asking for the spirit of the Lord to help us live into his vision for unitedness. For our prayer prompt today, I just want to think back on what Christine mentioned toward the end of our conversation about how Jesus came and disrupted the status quo and brought the kingdom of God through vulnerability, through humility, through gentleness, and through tenderness. And I'll tell you what, sometimes those things are not easy for me. Maybe same for you. I mean, I read that list, vulnerability, humility, gentleness, and tenderness. And those things are hard. And I think those things aren't always uh, top of mind for us culturally either. Those things aren't necessarily celebrated values in, in our culture. And yet we are invited to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and to be light and love in the world and make a difference in the world that may not make sense culturally. Like we don't see people laying down their lives. We don't see people making a difference through gentleness, but that's the way of our Jesus. And so this week for our prayer prompt, I just invite you to do some self-reflection and say, Lord, where am I resisting vulnerability, humility, gentleness, and tenderness? Where, where am I resisting? And how are you inviting me to step into those areas and trust to let go of my comfort zone and trust you to help me embody your self-sacrificial love. So I'll be praying that this week. And as I'm looking at nativity scenes, as I'm reading the Christmas story, I'm going to be asking Jesus, help me follow in your footsteps. Help me not resist the things that are uncomfortable, but help me be vulnerable, humble, gentle, and tender. Well, friends, I have just loved this series so far because most of life is lived in the messy middle, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, most of life is truly this and that. And so what a gift it's been to sift through this and see with eyes of great hope as we look at 
these passages in Isaiah. And this next week, I am really excited about our conversation with Kat Armis. She is the author of Abuelita Faith, a book that I have been reading for the last several months. And I'm really excited for her to give us a new, fresh perspective on the Christmas story and specifically on the life of Mary. So I'm looking forward to that this next Tuesday. So I will see you then, my friends. 